with me, DJ Susie. Chili, Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is Race to the Bottom, baby. How's it going, everybody out there in Radio Land? Is it still Radio Land if it's internet radio? Can somebody check into that for me? Please! It's always a weird chord change right there in this song. I guarantee goddamn you that this is going to be a fun show. Thanks for tuning in. I am, as always, drinking Winslow tea. Mmm. That is good. That's hot, though. I got my flask, my thermos. Please hashtag your tea tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know and steep into the conversation. Thank you, as always, to Winslow Tea for sponsoring this and every monologue. I came in here, I'm I'm, I'm doing what they call play and hurt. I came in here, getting set up, came in here to the Winslow T broadcast booth, it's getting all psyched up to go, and uh, went to turn on my computer where I got all the magic stored. The battery's dead. I thought I had charged it while I was teaching my last class yesterday, so I didn't charge it last night, man. My wife loves it when I do that raspy, kind of squeaky thing. It's good. And then I was like, all right, well, I can still do this. I got the studio laptop. I pull up my soundboard to do my drops. 
for Winslow T and for the Race to the Bottom theme song recorded by Krecklin Woe oh so many years ago. My recommended little drop, all my little things that make this the professional show <laughs> that it is. Where I professionally pay to do the show. That's why it's professional. And the soundboard collapsed. Collapsed in on itself. So I'm just going to get this, finish this train of thought here. And then it's no more complaining. I heard, I had a teacher, a songwriting teacher. Guy I really respected. His name was Doug Thiel. I wonder if he's still kicking it. And he said, when we would present our songs, you could do this in a writer's group too. You get two caveats or two context-setting statements, and then you gotta you gotta just take your licks, and it is what it is. So I'm finishing. Here's my second one. Is that I had to go on search through my email to find the theme song and I found it just in time. Who is just in time? But I should expect it. You know why? Because April is the cruelest month. Breeding lilacs out of the dead land. Mixing memory and desire. Stirring dull roots with spring rain. Winter kept us warm. Covering earth in a forgetful snow. Feeding a little life with dried tubers. Mmm, dried tubers. It is April, and it is <laughs> the cruelest month. So well, I wrote a essay about that poem. You ever hear some people say poem? They say it in one syllable. Mark Marin does that. That it, it irks me. It's a poem. No, it's a poem. Two syllables. The phones will be ringing on whether poem is one or two syllables. 718-673-8201. So, yeah, April. This Well, this poem is, is kind of about the idea, the, that classic idea, the older I get, the better I was. Right? The older I get, the better I was. It's the beauty of the pain. The pain of the love. Crying in vain, right? The desire for life and the pain inherent in that desire. And there's no real way to transcend that, is there? I'll tell you one thing that didn't transcend. April's madness was the Mets opening day or opening series against the Nationals, I was all set. Here's how set I was. I'll, I'll, I'll giddy. 
like I was eight years old. I th- first thought it was on Wednesday. I had parent-teacher conferences on Zoom that day. And I said, John, just get through these 27 parent-teacher conferences and then get to watch your team, the good old New York Mets. And by the way, I'm not a a Johnny-come-lately to the Mets. 1986 is when I fell in love. I was playing Uno with my family. And the game was on, the Bill Buckner game. And I slowly got drawn away from the screen, from the game and towards the screen. And this guy, Daryl Strawberry. Strawberries were my favorite fruit. I kid you not. So that was a connection. I liked Dwight Gooden. The whole squad. Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, Mookie Wilson, Ron Darling. Howard Johnson, the hotel magnate on third, who's Lenny Dykstra and left, Daryl Strawberry and right. I think Howie might call in a little while. We'll, we'll try to. Who was in? And then Mookie was in center, right? And then who was? All right, we'll we'll do this. I'm gonna table this for right now. But the anyway, it wasn't the game was it wasn't on Wednesday. It was on Thursday, so I said, okay, so I got something to look forward to. So went back to school on Thursday. And halfway through through the day, my buddy Eric texts me. Mets postponed because of COVID. Guess the Nationals, some some people on the Nationals. Got infected or might be infected. This thing's not over, guys. In case he thought it was. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. That's the great. Who said that? P did? P did. P said it. So I, <laughs> so I says to myself, all right, I'll probably reschedule for Friday. Nope. This is not happening Friday. Oh, well, got the weekend to look forward to. Canceled the whole weekend. So now it's on to Monday. Just another manic Monday. But anyway, it was about eight years ago when I was finishing up school, writing an essay on the wasteland. I went back to school. It's like the the person in the March Sadness story who went to college and then back to high school. I went to college and then back to college. How many years later? Like seven? Six or seven? Because I had some unfinished business. Had to get my... Get a literature major, and I, because I was feeling like a, a a failure in music. I've talked about this. That was literally the word that would come into my mind: failure. 
talk about negative self-talk. And so I I went back to school, wrote, wrote essays about T.S. Eliot, wrote some short stories, decided to apply to MFA programs for creative writing, see if I'd do the school thing. And I didn't get into MFA programs. It's like, damn, what do I do? I'd be up some nights, just like wake up at three in the morning. Like, what's going on? I was working at Pizza Cabin. Music wasn't going anywhere. So I, I said to myself, what even, what even makes sense right now? And I felt like comedy and, and cooking food. And I decided that I was going to do it. I was going to give it another shot and I was going to move to New York City. I was living in Asheville and it just felt like this, the, that town was filled with ghosts of my past. I'd been there about 15 years. And so... I get a a call from my buddy, Tom, friend of the show. He says, I need a roommate. You want to move to New York City? I said, damn Skippy. So I left. I left left, uh, Asheville, came to New York, and it was about eight years ago. And I was saying goodbye to friends, and I remember I went out for drinks with Amy, who wrote the uh, Race to the Bottom theme song. There was music on the in the in the bar. I said, "I like this," and I. I pulled out my phone and did Shazam and I found out it was a it was a group called Little Dragon who I'd never heard of before and Little Dragon you, you might recognize this voice Little Dragon sings the recommended recommendation they sing the theme song for recommended and this is the opening track Ritual Union on their album Ritual Union and this was like my uh, theme song, coming to New York, starting fresh. Winter was turning to spring. Race to the bottom.
So good. Brings me back. And you know what it brings me back to? Is a feeling that I was chasing. Let me know if you've had this feeling of when you, especially if you're not from New York City, you come. I remember coming for the first time with Dr. Dad and, and my mom, and I think we, my sister was maybe thinking of living there, and we were staying in a hotel. And that feeling of the the city where it feels like so huge it's all it's like looking into the grand canyon similar to to me where you're just it's it's uh so intense and you just it heightens the senses you just feel um overwhelmed and intoxicated by the by the magnitude of the city and um yeah, I was chasing that, uh, moving back here, and I felt it, and that, that song brings that feeling back. Unfortunately, that feeling fades. I think, as humans, we get used to stuff. Now I'm just, you know, it's just my neighborhood. But I'm, I... Moved in with Tom, and I needed to work. And what did I know? What did I know how to do more than anything in this godforsaken world is make pizzas. And there was this place, Roberta's. Everybody said, oh, Roberta's, it's the best pizza in New York. Madonna eats there. Bill Clinton eats there. Who else? Lou Reed eats there. Is there a website... Can research team, can you look up the famous people who have eaten at Roberta's? So I I went by this place and 
Roberta's just for context, right? Is is down the street right now from the Winslow broad, broadcast booth. It's it's here in Bushwick, where I from where I now speak. And I told these people, I wrote I wrote them, and I went by too to drop off my application. I wrote them in an email, and I said, I bleed marinara. I bleed marinara which I thought was good, and they did too. And they said, you know what? We decided to call you back because we loved that line, I bleed marinara. So I was working at Roberta's, but I wasn't working at the flagship. I was working at their satellite things. First, there was one right right by Bryant Park, a little pop-up. Was it Bryant Park? I can't remember. But I just worked at this little pizza stand making pizzas for like eight hours just on your feet as fast as you could this is such a popular place I was like man I was still on the the high of just being in New York City but I think uh, some of the guys I worked with were taking some of the uh, devil's dandruff some ink and marching powder you know what I mean but I didn't care I was in New York making money working my tail off and then it would be nice to have a break and then I started taking classes at Upright Citizens Brigade And uh, eventually stopped working at Roberta's and got a got a job at Barbancino in Crown Heights where I was living. But that April feeling, that precarious weather, it's still going on right now. You know, you know, the warmth is coming, but it's kind of day to day. I'm gonna play one more song that that feels feels like how how this early spring feels Rick Springfield no um and this is another record that I had just heard right before coming to New York City about 8 years ago and it was my uh, this it was my other my other jam AC Newman's album Shut Down the Streets and this song you could get lost out here really captures that that vibe and it's in the air today he says in the song your roots in this ground are provisional invisible you'll find to the naked eye you can get lost out here you're listening to radio free brooklyn this is race to the bottom
If you're listening to the show on your computer, you can download the app for your Android or your iPhone. It's free and it works great. This program and all the programming on the station is brought to you by City Running Tours. I've been doing some running. Gotta, I got to go to cityrunningtours.com slash New York City and learn some history while I run through like 28 neighborhoods in four of the five boroughs. Guess which one isn't included? That's looking at you, Staten Island. And if you like what you hear and hear what you like, that's what Kent Corn says, whose show Mothers of Connection is before mine on the station. Go to uh, our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, and you can go to slash donate and show your appreciation. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter. We only hit you up once a month. And it's news you can use. So we've been doing this thing on the program called March Sadness. And this is the third annual March Sadness. And we're down to the final four. And we had a judge, Mike Judge. No, it wasn't Mike Judge. We had a judge look these over that was provided the judge, the judge's services were provided by Chambers McSullivan Law Firm. And thank you to Chambers McSullivan. And so we're down to final four. We have two in, in the East Coast, New York area, and then two in the South slash Central area. Um, let me get my, my music, my Rachel's here. Where are you? There we go. Nice and sad. Oh. BTW, um, also at Roberta's, Jay-Z and Beyonce, and Jennifer Aniston. Thank you, research team. All right, so in the East Coast, cough button. In the East Coast, it came down to Green Jumpsuit versus High School Musical. High School Musical is about um, getting broken up basically breaking up with yourself. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I had a girlfriend and it make me, made me break up with myself. It's a great story. If you want to hear the whole thing, you can go to... I said the Clintons already. Research team. The Clintons, yes, they ate at Roberta's. They like uh, pizza. They went to the basement. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Pizzagate joke. I did not think I was going to make one today. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear the whole high school musical story, go in the archives. I've, I've read it a, a bazillion times. And it went up against Green Jumpsuit. And as you can probably tell, Green Jumpsuit won. And Green Jumpsuit 
bears repeating. A couple of years ago, my father went to prison. There are so many sad moments that in, uh, involved in that, both in the lead-up to it happening, through the sentencing, and the horrible reality of it actually coming to pass. Some of the things involved in that ordeal are beyond what you have in mind. A sentencing, for example, is heartbreaking and beyond description, and something one wouldn't wish on their worst enemy. But some of the sadder moments were small and almost bittersweet. They go on to talk about how they were in the visiting room, hanging out with their dad. I'll finish, I'll finish it up, but we got a phone call. I, I can't give it short shrift. Let's see if this phone call works. This is the first one in the new studio. That doesn't sound like it works. Caller, if you want to uh, call back, can do that. All right, so back to Green Jumpsuit. There was one time I went to visit by myself. I had been a few times and sort of gotten used to it. I'd grown accustomed to the staff's intimidation, the awful ambience of the visiting room that felt like spending the afternoon in a dusty bus station, the sight of children leaping into the arms of their fathers. Let's see. Caller? Race hello? Bu- yes. Hello. John? What's up? Howie? Hey, John. How are you doing? Good. It's good to hear hear from you. It's been forever. It's been a while. It's been too long. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, John, I really, uh, you're a great storyteller. Oh, thank you. I re- really enjoy your stories. Yeah. Oh, well, th- um... Well, uh, thanks, thanks for thanks for listening. Um, so I I want to get some of your your stories. Uh, yeah, I was talking about um, a couple. You know, we we were gonna kind of give our thoughts about the the season so far, but <laughs> but uh, you know, it's well, I do have I do have thoughts about the season so far, um, and you know, I'm feeling really good about it. Yeah, uh, because we're we're undefeated. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, Degrom has not give, allowed any base runners at all. You know. Yeah, it's he, he Degrom. This this pitcher is is just he just keeps getting better. He almost won the he did win the Cy Young twice. Almost won it three times, and it just seems yeah. like he's even better this year. It seems like he's even better this year. You know, people say in in spring training his velocity is you know like a hundred and two, um, yeah, which which would be concerning for a lot of pitchers because you don't want to kind of overdo it. But but they say that his motion is so smooth and easy that it's just really no no problem for him. So yeah, I I'm so let's. Let's circle back to this year, but I I want to I was talking about my first Mets memory where I you know was yeah. playing playing Uno. We were in uh like Charlottesville at this place Wintergreen yeah. for fall break, and it just so yeah. happened that it was the game, um, and that was my introduction kind of to baseball and the Mets. Do you remember your kind of first uh m- uh moment where you fell in love with with the Mets and and in baseball? Well, you know, I always, always loved baseball. Um, 
played baseball as a kid in Little League. And, you know, growing up in New York, there were always, you know, there was football, basketball, baseball. But I always, always loved baseball. And I'm an old guy. So, uh, you know, before the Mets even existed, which started in 1962, I was a New York Giants fan. And um, I, w- I was always a National League guy. And, and being from New York, if you were a National League guy, you, you automatically hated the Yankees. So, um, you know, the Mets came, came around in 1962, and I was a fan um, immediately. And I remember some of the old players. I was, I was uh, eight years old. And I remember, you know, Cleon Jones and uh, and Swoboda might have come a little little later, and Ed Cranepool mm-hmm. and all these guys from way way back when. And I remember the Mets ace pitcher. They had such a horrible team then. I think they won like forty games or something and lost one hundred and twenty. And and their ace uh, pitcher was Roger Craig. And I think. His, his record was like seven and 25 <laughs> and, and he was the ace. Um, so, so anyway, that, that's when I got into the Mets and I've really been into, into them for decades. And, um, you know, uh, my, my great memories are really of those great teams in, in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, it was like, 86 and you know that was just uh they, they were just incredible then yeah so i wanted to see if we could do this G- gary carter who i think i've told you i got his wife to to sign my hat at a uh, norfolk Mrs. tides carter. game yeah yeah <laughs> for some reason i thought that was a cool autograph to get is gary carter's wife um yeah so him at catcher, obviously Keith at, at first base, Hojo at third. Who was? Do you remember who was at short and second in that classic? W- Wally Bach, Wally Bach mm-hmm. at second. There we go. And was it was it Raphael Santana? Yeah, at okay. Short? Yeah, Raphael. and he was he he was a good defensive shortstop, but he was kind of the weak link in the lineup. Yeah, um, hit like everybody else. You know, in the outfield, they had Lenny Dykstra mm-hmm. and Daryl Strawberry, and who was the other one? Mookie uh, Wilson. Mookie Wilson, yeah. yeah, and Kevin Mitchell too. Yes, yes. And the incredible lineup and and the pitching staff. Oh my God! You know, yeah. Gooden, Darling, Sid Fernandez, Ojeda, mm-hmm. and then Orozco and McDowell. They they just had an incredible, incredible team. Yeah. So you went to uh, to a, a spring training game uh, this this year. I did. I, I was in Florida and um, went went to a game. They played uh, Miami, and it was really fun. Um, you know, I had never been to a spring training game, and it's kind of like a, a you know here in Asheville we have a minor league team, the tourists, and yep. the stadiums are kind of similar size wise you know maybe a couple thousand people um but with covid uh you know they limited the attendance so there were probably three or four hundred people there and it it was really fun you know you could um you could get real close and really watch all the players closely and it felt real 
felt real intimate and uh, it was really it was really a whole lot of fun yeah i went last year to that same stadium for uh mm-hmm. the very uh weird you know it was right before everything went crazy um yeah and the season got shut down for most of it um but one thing that's interesting about the spring training games is it they're not really real at all, which I didn't get. But, you know, it's like half mm-hmm. the guys out there, you don't know, you've never heard of them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they might start out with, uh, you know, some some of the stars. And by the third inning, it's it's like yeah. like high school <laughs> baseball players, well, basically. That, that That's really the way I think of it. But it's interesting because when I went, it was kind of the, the very end of of spring training, you know, mm-hmm. the last few games. So, you know, I felt like they were kind of tuning up because it was pretty much all the starters, um, you know, played played for most of the game. Oh, okay. So it was mostly, mostly guys that I knew. So, so that was pretty cool. I went to opening day of spring training. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah. they were sit, they were taking a look at everybody, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how do you feel about um, we uh, to get back to the present day? We've got finally. It looks like a uh, a pretty amazing team. We got uh, Lindor, who's just a phenom. Uh, you know, it's a shortstop who who's amazing defensively and can hit and is fast as hell. And uh, but but the weird thing, it's very Mets, is that we finally have the money, but it's from this kind of dubious dude, uh, Cohen, right? Right, hedge fund guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a a bit, uh, you feel a bit ambivalent about it, but man, we finally have like Mets, uh, I mean, Yankees style money. It's incredible. Um, Yeah, I feel like... uh I hear what you're saying about Cohen, but I'm I'm glad he's spending the money. Honestly, you know, Lindor is, uh, you know, he got a contract for three three hundred three hundred forty million, I think. Yeah, forty one. They had to give him forty one million. Three hundred forty one. Three hundred forty one million, and and he's he's an incredible player. I mean, gold gold Glover, you know, uh, good hitter, you know, fast. So he's like. You know him alone. That's that's going to be a big improvement. Honestly, John. You know, I just feel like they probably overpaid him a little bit. As much as happy as I am to have him, uh, three hundred forty million. You know, I'm thinking. You know, probably a more fair contract for him would be like you know three hundred thirty five million. <laughs> you know, three forty. Yeah. I, I I don't quite see it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Once you get up into these numbers, it's 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 nuts. But he seems also like a spark plug. Like he's they they've said he's kind of uh, he really ex, you know he's a leader and he he's always smiling and and happy and kind of brings a a great vibe. I just hope yeah he he doesn't yeah. get the you know the elephant in the room with all this stuff is it sound it's it sounds amazing and then the you know God forbid he gets injured like two games into the season. Yeah, injuries, that, that's always kind of the question mark. You know, you, you never know. And, yeah, uh, from what I've heard and seen, you know, he's got a really great personality and he's kind of a leader. And actually the spring training game that I went to, um, you know, when they announced him, you know, he, he got like the loudest applause and uh, he hit a homer. 
And he's really, you know, he kind of got my attention. He's really, really fun to watch out there. So nice. And we got a got a good up, upgrade um, for catcher too. Yeah, um, McCann. So uh, yeah. McCann. So you know, I I feel like John. You know, the, the Mets they got like they got a real good lineup. I mean, they got like a really good lineup now. Um, you know, the pitching staff. I, I think it's good. There's a few question marks with the pitching. Uh, you know, Lugo's out for for a little mm-hmm. while. And Syndergaard, you know, um, he he was incredible for a while. I'm not sure when he'll be back. But if he can, you know, come back in, in good form, that would be incredible. Um, you know, the Mets for the last uh, last few years, you know, their kind of weakness has, has been the defense. You yeah. Know? Um, defensively they're they're not great so i feel like with lindor at short that's a big upgrade and with mccann as the catcher uh that that's a big upgrade and it looks you know and it looks like they're putting mcneil who's kind of a a utility player who can play any anywhere they're they're trying to settle him in at second base and if they can get lindor and and mcneil as working really well as a team there that could be really uh potent yeah, that could that could be great. And McNeil, you know, he's he's such a such a great hitter. Yeah, you know? he can just um, put the ball anywhere he wants. It's like he's like golfing out there. It's great. Yeah, he's he's fun to watch. Um, and you know, the outfield. I mean, Conforto to me, he's he's like he's a really good fielder, great hitter, all around yeah. player. He's like a, really a star in the making. I think you know, um, and Nimmo. He's going to be the leadoff guy, and he's he's fun to watch too. You know, I love when he walks and he runs <laughs> as fast as he can at first base, yeah. and then like looks to the sky and yeah. thanks God. You know, big um, uh, big but, big evangelical. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. Um, from Wyoming, I think. Right? He is. Um, yeah, I don't know how but, but he, how he got he, to play very much yeah. baseball in Wyoming, but I guess he did. I don't know. Don't know. But he he's you know I I actually read that he is. Um, he was the worst defensive um, center fielder in baseball last last wow. year. So, um, but he's a great hitter. Good yeah. leadoff guy gets on base. Gets on base. So. Well, Howie, I could talk about this all day, but I gotta I gotta do a couple more things before the show in the next fifteen minutes. But uh, let's okay. let's I, reconvene. Yeah, I feel real feel real optimistic though you know i'm always like that when the season yeah, starts i know often the mets end up disappointing <laughs> but i do feel real optimistic this year so let's let's hope for a great season and enjoy john yeah give, give me a uh, call once once the, the play actually starts and we can we can debrief okay we'll right. talk again soon all right take care let's go mets right. let's go mets now how about that howie good stuff all right so where were we talking about green jumpsuit i'd become inured to the sight of my elderly father in his green jumpsuit ambling slowly toward me as shell as his former self this time instead of a cross he sat next to me A football game was on one of the TVs. We sat and watched and chatted. We caught up, recalled old times. We laughed. For a moment, everything was fine. We were father and son again. 
enjoying a Sunday afternoon watching football. But then we saw the clock approaching late afternoon. Visiting hours were coming to an end. My dad nervously took note that we better say goodbye so as not to risk any trouble. That carefree moment was over. We said our goodbyes. A guard handed me back my ID, and before I left, I turned back once more to see my father anxiously waiting. A guard would have to let him back in where the bunks were. He fidgeted with his hands as he sat looking helpless and vulnerable. This man, who had once seemed like a giant in my imagination, waited like a child, hoping to evade a harsh punishment. I walked out to the desolate parking lot, took one last look at the horrible place, and drove away. And our judge that put this into the finals said, I strongly relate to the archetype behind this story. We all someday come to realize parents are no gods, but humans with flaws and weaknesses. This truth is dramatically emphasized by the father's powerlessness in the prison system. Yes. So that's the East Coast champ, the East Coast New York champ, green jumpsuit. And Green Jumpsuit will be going up against the winner of Trilogy and Forensics. Trilogy is the story of um, a woman who, I'll just read it, it's short. It's January in Chicago, meaning it's cold as a witch's titty, but I'm wearing flip-flops because my feet are swollen like hams. Sad part one. I had a baby three days ago and said baby is in the NICU, but I've already been discharged, so I have to go visit my baby kid in the hospital. Sad part two. I step into the hospital elevator with my flip-flops and some old lady with big hair and cheap perfume asks me, oh, so you're in here to have your baby, to which I have to politely explain, no, I've already had a baby, you old bag, to which she tells me God works in mysterious ways. Sad part three. And Trilogy went up against Forensics. Forensics goes as follows. In my high school, I had an on-again, off-again relationship that for much of my senior year was an unacknowledged limbo. We'd get together and snog, as the British say, but never quite publicly declared ourselves to be dating. We were both on the forensic team, and these trysts would somehow happen when we went to tournaments out of town. In the depths of winter, a small, one might say elite group of us competed in a tournament several states away. She and I hung out that weekend, but we had not gotten physical yet. As was often the case, we had a long van ride back home through the night on Sunday. In anticipation of a night of romance, I scored a seat in the back corner of the van and was ecstatic when she sat beside me. I thought it was a little weird that her ex-boyfriend sat beside us as well. But being an eager young man, I did not really care what I could not have known at that time, but would be revealed over the course of the next several hundred miles was that there was still an ember between the two of them. Predictably, their flame was rekindled, and I spent the night listening to their kissing noises and being bumped by her knees and elbows while the driver smoked cigarettes and I looked out at dark, soggy Midwestern cornfields. I'll go for forensics as well and totally agree with Sad 16 Judge. Our, our judge from Chambers, Mick Sullivan, said, the sad irony of this van situation and so common love triangle is really a bummer. And he, he referred, he, he referenced the sad 16 judge, so I'll uh, say what the sad 16 judge said. Despite the amusement at the cadence of the rapture, oh yeah, the rapture, I, ref, I prefer forensics for its reversal of fortune element. 
I like how the sense of self goes from high, one might say elite, to stream extreme low. Not when the girl refuses to acknowledge him as romantic interest, but only when he becomes a trapped seatmate next to the young couple forced to witness his hopes dying a cornfield backgrounded death. So, congratulations to forensics in the South slash Central Division and Green Jumpsuit in the New York and Northeast Division. Now I turn to you, dear listener, to be the decider-in-chief. Who should win? Who do you want to win? Who's going to win? I'll put this up on social media. And you can text me, email me, email me at race to the b at gmail.com. Hit me up on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. I'll, I'll uh, collect all the votes and tally them. And the winner of the March Sadness tournament will create our playlist for the July 4th celebratory edition of the show. How's that sound? Yarab from the album Noor. So, something we came across as we explored the music from the Sahara. Race to the bottom. Hey, John, it's Tom. Oh, my goodness. What's up, man? 
Uh, having coffee. <laughs> well, How are you? Good. What, what are you putting in your coffee these days? You you a you a uh, milk guy or a uh, sugar black? Well, I always like to keep a little room for cream. <laughs> yeah, um. that's one of our sponsors. Room for cream. They're, I think they are are uh, back in in full uh, capacity uh, because of the mm. things getting better COVID wise. I gotta I gotta mm. see if they want to do a spot. Well, I'd be happy to facilitate in. Um, in that at all you know if you need like a voiceover yeah person yeah we need a new a new one a new ad uh beth bethany usually does it uh but but i you guys could do like a little scene right and how experienced is bethany i mean bethany's she's the one her voice does she have an agent i don't i think she works there but she's a natural she's the one who's so not really for professional pain. she's not really in the industry then well wow okay uh uh with you know you got to be nice in show business tom <laughs> that's what i've learned so it seems like you're throwing your weight around in, in a way that that might not get you the job i just ask i just ask questions um, yeah they, all i did was ask questions they seem pointed to me so, Tom, I was talking about eight years ago. You remember eight years ago? Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, I talked to you, and you said, I've got a little uh, closet space you can live in. Yeah. And it's $500. <laughs> Good old New York. <laughs> That'll be 500 That'll be $500, please. Yeah. Had a little twin twin bed, and that's about all that fit in there. And a cur- I had a curtain. That was my room. Well, you were a welcome addition yeah. to the family. It was fun. So you um, you've you've been doing some some shows. I'm sorry, I got to come clean, man. I I totally missed your show last night. You did a streaming oh, that's thing. Okay. That's okay. I did plug the podcast, um, and I really it came up quite naturally. And I did sing a song about you, and I dedicated it to you. But it's fine, you know. It's all right. Uh, <sighs> you know, maybe you can tune in, um, you know, next time I do a show. But you know, with the pandemic, there's not really a lot of opportunities to <laughs> to perform. Yeah. So you know, we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed that maybe there'll be another opportunity for me to sing and share my music. In, yeah, you know, but with like I said, when there's when there's a global pandemic, <laughs> those, those opportunities are extra precious. Yeah. So, um, well, anyway. I will say, Tom, that I have tuned in to your streaming shows before during this global pandemic, and they have been a a real source of comfort. And I've been so tired. I've I've really been dropping the ball on a lot of stuff recently. I've got all these, all these. Uh, I don't like being a, a flaky person, but recently I've been kind of flaking out uh, on things, and I'm not proud of it. I need to get some rest. Um, mm-hmm. I'm weary. I think you're not alone. You're not alone. I think the seasons are changing, and and you know, there's uh, a, a there's a weird energy in the air. That's that's. I think it's 
you know, good things are on the horizon, but I've definitely, I and Lauren have both talked about, and our friends, we both, everyone feels a little scattered. Yeah. <sighs> and I don't know why, I don't know why that is, but, um, uh, I think it's probably, it could be just be pandemic fatigue, you know, Who yeah. knows? it could be this weird ne- neurological thing. It's kind of like, you ever been, a kind of, hiking up a, a little mountain and you you're like oh man that's the there's the top you've been hiking for a while and you're like i can see it the trees are kind of leveling off there and then you get up mm-hmm. you get up there and then you're like oh god it it goes way way further <laughs> yeah that that's what yeah. it's been like yeah yeah it's a false Except- end you know, it's not though. I mean, it's just it's bad, but it's just we're not on a mountain. We're on a couch. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, that's the problem. It's that is that's its own problem and it has like a weird yeah, you know, thing that you have to deal with. But it's not that bad. And um it is soon coming to a goddamn end. And uh, I can feel it and see it and it's, I still wish that I could just not be so scattered, but um, because I see the finish line, I, I feel motivated enough to continue these things that are the driving force of my life. Well, we're going to leave it there, Tom, because we got 10 seconds left on the show. Okay. Thanks for calling okay. in, and let's, let's talk sure. more soon. All right, man. All right, peace.